1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric, name Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee, also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN, and I don't know how to pronounce this one either, Lodi or Lodi. I'm not sure. It's L O D I. Um, it's over past Madison, and I've driven past it i believe before or and i know i've seen the name but i don't yeah even, i've seen that
0: name i don't like, know if it's Lodi, lodi or lodi smart. though
1: um it's one of the two or maybe it's not maybe it's something totally different that i don't even know about but
0: La uh, lotty dotty we likes to potty <laughs> eric it's a free agent Lottie dotty um
1: so i don't i don't know but I'll, I'll stop by the voice you just heard frank madden the founder of brewhoop.com and my good friend frank uh did you did you survive the the LeBron uh, apocalypse? I, I don't even know if it's an apocalypse. I was trying to think uh, uh, the LeBron mania, lebron I don't I don't know. I was trying to think of a catchy name but I got nothing.
0: Yeah, um I mean again like it, it seemed like this was certainly what all the smart people had been saying for for probably a week that this was seemingly an inevitability and there was that like very brief uh he's talking to the Sixers uh kind of moment on Twitter, but that didn't last very long. And it seemed like it was just kind of a courtesy thing. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, again, it, it, it had obviously been something that's been talked about for a year. There's obviously been a lot of talk about, you know, was he really going to go to LA, but there just weren't other, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing. Like I, I always sort of felt like LA was just it kind of made sense just cause you had a chance to at least kind of build a team there. Um, now, I am a little surprised that, that he's not going there with anybody else, at least as of now. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard hasn't been traded from San Antonio and Paul George. And I don't—well, I, don't, I hesitate to say, like, the head-scratcher of the of free agency so far. But, yeah, kind of the head-scratcher of free agency so far. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, again, people— uh, you know I guess I guess as a fan of a team in Milwaukee like we should be happy that there are players super star players who are willing to you know kind of play their prime years um, in in kind of random small markets rather than go to glitzy lights and all that sure. so shout out to Oklahoma City but um, I think Oklahoma City is like crappy um, just in general as a town um, I've never been there I just my two of my best friends are from there and they always just you know their spouses had to live there for a year each and they're just like yeah this place sucks um so
1: (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't ready for some some, oklahoma city spice yeah there's some
0: some, i've heard tulsa's much nicer but anyway there's some (laughs) oklahoma slander there for you um but uh but yeah it's been it's been interesting and i think you know maybe i don't know if we want to go this direction right away but i think you know we you just think about sort of the the shifting balance of power um I think certainly if you're a Boston I Celt- probably the big winners of all this, even though they've done basically nothing, are the Boston Celtics just because um, LeBron is, you know, is gone from the East at long last. You know, ding-dong, LeBron is gone. And Philly has, you know, really struck out so far. They, you know, they obviously had hope that they might be able to make a play for LeBron. They had hoped they might be able to make a play for Paul George. And obviously they still have some, some dry powder. We'll see kind of what they do, but, um, but they have not been able to kind of make that like huge sort of, you know, like, Oh, they, they flipped the switch and they got that big name guy to, you know, be the, the third guy with, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They're bringing back JJ Redick on a, um, slightly more reasonable contract this year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting because you, you know, I think if you're for the Bucks, again, we've talked a lot about the Bucks, how the Bucks are really not maximizing their opportunities this summer in terms of getting value and, uh, and and what's happening with the team. We'll talk more about that, obviously. A lot lot to be determined there, with especially Jabari Parker situation. But certainly, if you look around at the rest of the East, um, you you have to feel, I guess, you know, you have to feel better just by default uh, if you're pretty much um, you know any of the kind of random teams in the east and certainly the bucks might fit in that category as well.
1: Yeah, I mean my teammate at ESPN Milwaukee Homer was talking during their 3 to 6 show that, you know, it's a party in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> and I totally agree with him. Like everyone in the Eastern Conference should feel way better about everything that's going on because uh in i mean even in milwaukee i understand there's a lot of concern about what the bucks are doing and if they're doing it right and much of it is warranted uh, if you heard our last podcast um but at the same time you've taken lebron out of the east which means that you know if you're on it used to be like oh what side of the bracket are you gonna be on well okay well you get a good matchup in the first round but then you're on the side of the bracket okay well I guess you're not going to the Eastern Conference Finals or you're not even going to get that chance. And this year, the Sixers are still going to be strong and the Celtics are still going to be strong, but LeBron's not there. (laughs) LeBron Lebron is not there anymore. And, uh, I I mean, maybe even the Raptors feel the best out of anyone about this because it it always seemed to be that LeBron was just there They're kryptonite, and they couldn't do anything with it, no matter how good they got or how well they were coached or how much they changed their offense. They ran into LeBron, and LeBron just embarrassed them. And I just think if you're an Eastern Conference team, you just have to be feeling so much better about this. And uh, I think from the Bucks' perspective, you find yourself in a spot where, you know, a couple things have to go your way and you find yourself in the Eastern conference finals. And that has to be, to me, that's incredibly exciting. And that should be something uh, to be really excited about. And, I know that there is obviously a bunch of pessimism around the Bucks because they haven't used their assets and they haven't managed things as well as the Sixers and the Celtics and put themselves in uh, the position that you know you were kind of talking about that you know once LeBron was done you automatically take up the mantle in the Eastern Conference, but they do have the best player in the Eastern Conference, and I don't even think. Uh, I'm not, uh, people tried to engage me on Twitter in a discussion on it today and I'm not having it. Like, yeah, it, it's Giannis period. That just, just it's not worth Kyrie <laughs> <Harry> Irving, John <laughs> Wall.
0: No, just shut the hell up. Like, come on. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, the only person maybe, maybe, maybe you could bring up is Joel Embiid, but he hasn't been healthy enough. And yeah. Gian, sure. Giannis is a better player than him right now. Sorry, hopefully there's no uh, Sixers fans listening to the podcast because I'm sure this will get aggregated everywhere to Sixers Twitter and then I'll just be bombarded <laughs> by all of them. Um, but I don't really care. Giannis is better than Embiid. Giannis is the best player in the East. So you, are, I think th- today made me realize just how difficult kind of uh, my internal struggle is when I think about this team because uh, I'm on the record and – I don't foresee myself changing this prediction at any point this summer, in the fall, before the season, during the season. Bucks are a fifty-one team next year. They're going to win 50 games. And I feel very strongly about that. No matter how pessimistic I may feel about their future or no matter how much I may dislike the move to sign Ursan Silva in the first five minutes of free agency on Sunday night. The Bucks are going to be good next year. And the Bucks are going to put themselves in a spot uh, to compete against the Sixers and the Celtics. Are they going to be as good as them? Maybe not. But I do think they find themselves in a spot where, you know, they should be able to get through the first round and then they should be able to get into a second round matchup against possibly, probably one of those two teams and, you know, have a chance to get to the Eastern conference finals.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you kind of just look at the way it's shaping up. I think there's, you know, Boston, there's Philly, and then I think uh, Toronto is sort of this weird X factor because Toronto's the defending East regular season champs, and nobody really really wants to think about them, <laughs> this, like still being sort of relevant. And you know, coaching change. There's obviously a lot of turnover on the the bench there. Maybe not in terms of the roster with with Fred VanVleet uh, inking. A very reasonable two-year, eighteen million dollar contract to come back. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's like the, those three teams are, you know, sort of the fifty-win teams that you feel like you can trust. Cleveland has, you know, been rendered irrelevant for the next, you know, half decade at least, probably by by LeBron leaving, and so that automatically just sort of kicks everyone, uh, everyone up, you know, a spot, and then. Um, you know, teams like the Bucks. I think you know it's really it's really up to teams like the Bucks. I mean, we always talk about you know measuring yourself against Philly and Boston, but I mean, you know, first you got you got to actually catch Indiana, <laughs> who, yep. who you should not have finished behind a year ago. Um, you've got to obviously you'll, by default move past Cleveland, um, and then you know also just. Uh, you know, I mean, like Washington is still floating around like they have ambitions of certainly being, you know, much better than than they um, than they have been um, last year. At least uh, we'll see kind of what the kind of bigger picture is with, with that team. I'm, I'm a little skeptical there. And, you know, the Miami Heat, I mean, the Bucks tied the Heat for sixth and seventh in the East and yeah. Miami, you don't really think of just because they've been you know they have kind of like lots of like solid role players and they have a great coach um but again you never know i mean if miami makes some some hustling some big move to land a big name um with spolster there you know they're, they're obviously a team that you can't just sort of completely take for granted so um so yeah i mean i think the east is kind of wide open but by the same token um you know beginning with boston certainly with with their talent coaching and the returning talent um and the assets they have and i think philly if they can stay healthy, um, I think it starts with those two teams, and then you know Toronto's sort of like a weird X factor, right? Like, yep. do they do they at some point kind of begin to go into more of a rebuild mode? But you know they have so many kind of young, useful pieces that they're they're kind of on a weird spot um, because their are like top end players are both like older and super overpaid, so it's like I don't even know what you get for trading Kyle Lowry or Demar Derozan. Um, I'm guessing there's probably one idiot team out there that would like give up like major assets for DeMar DeRozan you know like I mean I don't know would Magic or Vlade or somebody give up like a bunch of assets for um, for DeMar DeRozan like it wouldn't surprise me but um, but yeah it's just a weird time in the in the east and again a team like the Bucks which you know we've criticized for not being ambitious enough sort of targeting those top teams Um, you know just the fact that I mean they keep kind of adding these like solid role player types I mean you know I guess if there is any upside to that it's that I mean, they should be as a once again, like you have to target being a top four seed with home court. You have to target 50 wins. Um, you know, we, we can't we can't blame it on Jason Kidd anymore because he's gone. And so now it's up to, I think, the bucks and the talent they have to to kind of live up to that. And and hopefully Mike Budenholzer can help them kind of maximize that regardless of what's happening off the court. I think that's a big thing like we, we have to really focus on. I mean, you know, we're obviously not seeing much ambition from this team off the court. They're they're pretty much just seemingly just sort of, you know, checking boxes and assuming Giannis is going to take the Supermax in 2020. Um, But, you know, we've talked a lot about Budenholzer and his development and the coaching staff he has and how they've gotten the most out of players. I mean, to me, that is a massive storyline next year, not just, you know, getting better and winning more games, but doing it on the backs of players who we now think of as like not really, you know, like Tony Snell type, right? Yep. Can you salary dump Tony Snell? No. I don't know. <laughs> At his price, with a player option in the last year, given he, you know, like doesn't sh- ever shoot, um, you know that that's probably tougher than it should be for a guy who, you know, checks a lot of boxes for, you know, what you want in a kind of three and D wing. Um, but guys like Tony Snell, guys like Sterling Brown, um, yeah. you know, uh, even Chris Middleton, who's obviously a very valuable piece and the Buck's second best player. Um, you know, can you get even more out of him by by using him better? Actually, you know, designing plays to have him shoot threes and things like that. Um that that's really the big and, and Thon is probably the other big one, right? Like yep. what what this coaching staff does with those guys, if they maximize those guys, all of a sudden the value of the guy in Brogdon, you know, throw Brogdon into that group too. All of a sudden, like the value of the guys in this roster suddenly changes kind of dramatically. And again, like there's no there's no like, you know, Superstar that's going to emerge out of that group, right? I mean, we have to be realistic. You, you still need to be hunting for that, which the Bucks aren't at this point. Um, but in general, like you know, the everybody looks better if you have a better coaching staff that's maximizing the, the talent
1: of the team. Absolutely, and <clears throat> and there's really there's no way of knowing until we actually get into the season. Like uh, we're going to hear stories uh, during the off season about guys in the best shape of their life about all the new ways that mike boonholzer is really helping them out like we're gonna hear all that stuff but we won't really know if any of that is true until you know the the season actually happens, and we get to see uh, what the Bucks are able to do, and how those players are able to be helped out by this coaching staff, and, and what improvements they can make. But yeah, get maximizing this, maximizing the roster. That that's just huge for this Bucks team when it is as capped out as it's going to be, and it is you know this summer is probably going to end up being somewhat boring for this Bucks team because uh, maybe there isn't a huge move to be made. There's just the idea that you got to find a way to be better with the players that you sign. So uh, we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask you about, Frank, uh, we kind of talk about the fallout in the Eastern Conference with the LeBron move, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, I don't even know if it's right to say the fallout, but I guess maybe some of the lingering effects of the LeBron move and rosters and players and kind of how everything turns over. And I guess specifically when I, when you, when I watch what the Lakers are doing, it appears they're putting together guys on one-year deals and one-year deals only. Like that that appears to be kind of their MO. The Bucks have. A notable player on a, a, a one-year deal uh, and it is someone who is a, a clutch sports client and he does play point guard and i know they are reportedly signing rajon rondo to a one-year nine million dollar deal but i'm curious do you think there's something with the lakers with eric bledsoe um it doesn't appear that way because like i said they they do appear to be going in the rondo direction but um it this wouldn't be the first time LeBron blew up a team midway through a season if something wasn't working out. Like maybe there's something there. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, contrary to what we usually complain about with Eric Bledsoe, he might be too good of a shooter uh, to be <laughs> to be a target of the Lakers. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we we obviously have talked about that. Like wherever LeBron landed, like would there be an angle to um to sell them on a on some sort of blood so deal um and and so i I think that's still an an interesting question especially given how difficult it's been to parse what the lakers are actually going for Um, you know because it's like signing lance stevenson and then rondo who you know rondo had a good year last year but it's like when you have, like, literally the the like most dominant point forward that we've seen, you know, certainly since Magic Johnson was really more of a point guard, but, you know, LeBron being the ball-dominant guy, um, Rondo just seems like a really curious fit <laughs> with that. Um, the
1: guy that creates the most th- open threes in the league in LeBron James, you're giving Rajon Rondo? Uh, yeah. That doesn't sound great.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's strange. I mean, you know, Lonzo Ball, I think... I mean, Lonzo is, has shot well from the perimeter like sort of before the end his NBA days at least um I think he only shot 31 percent last year we'll see if he you know his shot becomes less broken over time I'm, I'm still generally a believer in Lonzo sort of as a a Same. good future good NBA player just because he does so much stuff um but uh but yeah you know combining him with Rondo is is kind of curious because he really you know we we complain about not having you know knockdown shooters at the point guard spot but um you know Brogdon and and Dele and Bledsoe are you know certainly much more <laughs> proven than uh than who the lakers have surrounded by you know yep. with surrounding lebron james so definitely some interest up there you know going after javel mcgee on you know july 1 i mean again it's sort of a lot of the same arguments we had against you know the bucks going after Urson right away kind of some similar things i mean granted they only gave javel the minimum but it's like i don't know like i don't know i feel like you're you could have probably gotten better players for the minimum. I mean, if, um, but if you use the,
1: the minimum on him, you use the room exception on Lance Stevenson, like yeah. kind of using up all of your options when you have LeBron James and people like going to LeBron's team for cheap.
0: Yeah. Well, and the real baffler with, and, and this is something that I think does have interesting, interesting sort of talking points for, for Jabari Parker. Um, the fact that they renounce Julius Randall's um, uh, rights and, and make him an unrestricted free agent, When he was a restricted free agent, I think he had like what, like thirteen million dollar cap hold. You know that they effectively renounced him in order to sign Rajon Rondo to a one year nine million dollar deal. I mean, again, I I know part of this is trying to get a one year contract with a guy in order to maintain max flexibility next summer, but um, I mean, just sort of crazy. I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted that. You know, by two days into free agency that. Where John Rondo would go to, where John Rondo would go to L.A., where Julius Randle would go to New Orleans, Boogie Cousins would go to, record scratch, Golden State, <laughs> and JaVale would go to L.A. Right, like this yeah. really weird um, game of musical chairs between all these like very disparate players. Um, so, so yeah, and and I think it was very interesting. You know, Randle, when he became unrestricted, I thought you know I think the first thing you think of is well these teams that. You know, were that that were the sort of maybe Jabari suitors, the Atlanta, Chicago, Sacramento's. um, You know, I guess Brooklyn may have a little bit of cap space if they get through this. Depending on what they do with the Dwight Howard buyout, Um, so you kind of think, well, would any of those teams go for him? But. I don't know. You kind of look at a lot of those teams and I think, you know, Jabari and, and Randall are not exactly like positionally you know, Randall's more of a small ball five slash four, whereas Jabari I think is more of a, you know, four slash three type guy. Yeah. Um, Randall's a four and a but, half.
1: Well, Jabari's a three and a half probably. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. But, but there is some similarities in terms of like, you know, being young talents with kind of question marks, but d- different kinds of question marks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Randall's clearly a, a better player. Doesn't have the same injury issues, obviously that Jabari does. Um, But to see him go for, you know, a two-year mid-level, a one-plus-one, which, again, he could not have signed a one-plus-one with another team uh, as a restricted free agent. So being unrestricted gave him more flexibility. He can go back out on the market a year from now, assuming he, you know, has a good season um, and hit that, hopefully, you know, compete for all the money that's going to be out there next summer. But but it's interesting because, you know, I I can only assume that all those teams that you would have thought, well, you know, if anybody's going to give him, you know, $15 million a year, it would have been i don't know atlanta or chicago or whatever but then you kind of think about it and it's like chicago i mean more even more even more pronounced than going after jabari right i mean Markinen and wendell carter are your four or five combo like you know i don't know how julius Randle fits into that necessarily especially if they're trying to be bad for another season and get another high pick and atlanta I, i don't know right i mean i guess um I, I don't know, like maybe they just feel like they, they don't, also don't want to commit any long-term dollars, right? So if all these teams, even the rebuilding ones, are trying to, you know, just basically take short-term bad salary to um, to get more assets and the the good teams are just trying to sign one-year deals to keep their powder back for next summer, it just leaves very little room, right, for for even Julius Randle, who is an unrestricted free agent and is, you know, I think a lot of people think he's a quite good player. And so you can only imagine, right, that for someone like Jabari Parker I mean, this is why we just haven't seen any real, you know, kind of solid leads about teams necessarily being interested in him. So, again, I don't think it precludes the possibility of a team, um, you know, one of those teams we mentioned, reconsidering things like a week from now or something like that. Because, again, you know, teams may be right now not wanting to do something because they're waiting on some specific thing to happen or they're trying to see if they can get, you know, a first round pick to use some of that cap space up or whatever it might be. And again, if that doesn't happen, then maybe they just, they change their tack and say, well, we are willing to give Jabari Parker a two plus one or something like that and kind of roll the dice. But I I don't know. I, I, you know, we talked about it coming into the off season, (laughs) you know, like anybody who thought Jabari Parker was just automatically going to get a $20 million contract because, you know, he was a second overall pick and those guys tend to get that kind of money. Again, Tell me which team's going to give it to him. And right now, you know, again, there's some teams that, that could maybe give him a lot of money and it wouldn't even have to be 15, $20 million to obviously make the Bucks really have to squirm in their seats. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think certainly the the idea of a sign-and-trade, especially after the Bucks, you know, making that move for Sova and seemingly, you know, putting one foot out the door on Jabari anyway, um, I think that certainly probably seems more likely. But, um, again, like, I don't... What do you get in a Jabari signing trade? I I don't know.
1: Man, I'm trying to think where I read an article that said a bunch of people were really interested. Man, who would who would have written something like that? Uh, man, I can't think of it right now, but uh, someone, I I don't know, I saw it on the internet somewhere. Uh, But yeah, they were clearly mistaken. Someone carrying agent water? Uh, Maybe, I don't know. Um, But they were clearly mistaken in that because uh, I just don't really see the market for Jabari. And uh, this kind of serves as a good segue into this topic. But uh, I know now my Twitter feed, (laughs) pretty much every day, my mentions look like, um, i don't even know that 21 questions about jerry parker like that's pretty much what it's turned into like when do you think he would accept the qualifying offer? When could he accept the qualifying offer? How long could the qualifying offer stay out there? How long do other teams have to offer him uh, contracts? Like, all these different things. And uh, I, it is just the, the second day of free agency. So I just want to tell people, like, I think we're going to be at this for a while. And I, I know we said this at the start of free agency. And I don't know if, uh, you know, saying that at the start of free agency really gets through to people because, you know, a while at the start of free agency, maybe that means the end of the week to some people. And I mean, I think it goes on, it might go on for the rest of this month. I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly, you know, Jabari Parker's camp gets a a hold of reality because the reality that is out there might not be one that they want to accept because the reality is, I don't know if there's a team out there that's making a, a godfather offer for Jabari Parker. And I don't know if there's a team out there that's making a, I don't even know any, any offer. <laughs> any, I
0: mean, that, that's the thing, right? I don't, I yeah. don't think you, nec- I don't think you necessarily even blame his camp right now. Cause I just, I think just the nature of the market, I don't know as a restricted free agent, why wow. any team necessarily is even really talking to him. Cause Again, like, you know, could he could they go out and get like an MLE offer from a team? Like I would I would freaking hope so for his sake. Right. But no team is like looking at that and saying, oh, that's what we should. We're going to go tie up our mid level and and think that the Bucks are not going to. I mean, again, like even if you don't like Jabari Parker, I mean, I think if he he signs a mid level deal like you match that and just deal with it later. Right. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't need to go and average twenty points a game to be movable on a mid-level contract, especially a year from now when um, when I think he's you know the the market is going to be kind of opened up a little bit again, assuming he stays healthy. Um, And and by the way, like for for reference, like um, if people are wondering like kind of how long these things can drag out. So the Brandon, I mean, really what we are hoping for as a Bucks fan, if you are hoping for a Jabari Parker sign and trade to get some value back for him, you're really hoping for. A, a Brandon Jennings for Chris Middleton and Brandon Knight move, right? And th- this is very rare, so it's 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 unique that the Bucks were actually probably the last team to pull off a really good deal like this, like one of these sign-in trades with the guy that you yep. know things sort of went off the rails with, um, and uh, that happened on July thirtieth, twenty thirteen. So that you know again that was like I guess three four weeks into uh, well, I guess a month into free agency um in 2013 5 years ago. So that just gives you an idea of how long it can take. And again, like it, you know, it's possible a team decides tomorrow like hey, we'd be willing to do 15 million and they, you know, call up Jabari's agent and they realize like shit, we got to we got to probably think long and hard and just see if we can do this and let's go and engage the Bucks on on sign and trade stuff. And in that case, you know, maybe something happens quickly, right? Cuz I think I mean again, like let's be realistic like at this point have the Bucks made an offer? We haven't heard anything about the Bucks actually having made an offer, right? Correct. I mean, we, we heard we heard about them making an offer last fall, but have they put anything on the table as far as this year, other than obviously the qualifying offer, which they had to? Um Not that we're aware of, not that anybody's even like mentioned the idea of the Bucks making an offer. In which case, um, you know, if if uh and, and I don't blame them, right? I mean. Like it's almost like a no-win situation putting an offer on the table because if you put down like an offer you think is reasonable, it's probably going to be deemed like an insult. And if you put down an offer that is too high, then well, what if he takes it? And then you're screwed. <laughs> then yep. you don't want him to take it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, like I, if I'm the Bucks, I probably go into the offseason saying like, you know, Jabari, like, what do you think you're worth? Twenty million dollars a year? Okay, go find it. Yep, we're not we're not about that. We're not we're not about that. We need to be. And I mean, really, even
1: even if that number was 15, I think you still tell them, okay, go find it. Go go
0: find it. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, I mean, maybe you can find it as a sign and trade just because there's obviously few teams with with cap room. But maybe there is a team that has um, that has caps that that doesn't have cap room that would need to do a sign and trade. Right. And then, you know, maybe there's some. Some trade parameters, like that's what, one thing I've been sort of thinking about, is looking at some various teams and trying to think through, like you know, is there a trade where the Bucks actually get something out of it, but it may not also be like you know, a fleecing for the other team, right? Yeah. Um, so, and then that's kind of the challenge, right? Because then it becomes an eye of the beholder type thing. But that's that's oftentimes how these things turn out. I yeah. mean, uh, trades are fundamentally eye of the beholder type type things
1: absolutely and moratorium ends on july 6th so restricted free agents still might end up being you know some of the ones that move on a little bit later uh clint Campella, restricted free agent probably i would say most people would rank him above javari parker marcus smart a restricted free agent uh use of zach levine um that's probably the the guys that would be ahead of him as restricted free agents and then there's some other ones that are out there rodney hood montrezl harrell uh dante axum kyle anderson so i don't think any of those really affect the jabari parker market but i do wonder if this goes on long enough like you said frank does it all of a sudden become not at all about the teams that have cap space does it then become all of a sudden, okay, let's look at the entire league and let's figure out what sign and trades are for teams that wanna take a chance on a young guy that, you know, maybe if they get the right sign and trade, uh, like a two like a two plus one with a team option or a one plus one with a team option, well like whatever it may be, like if they can get that deal done in a sign and trade like does all of a sudden that open everything back up to you know the entirety of the league because you know maybe there are some teams out there like you look at the cavaliers and how they're trying to build things and you know what they're trying to do and maybe there's a sign and trade with them that their team that feels like with dan gilbert you know maybe they don't want to immediately actually tear it down. So let's see if we can find a, a young piece that might work for us in the in the near future and then also be a building block for us going forward. Maybe Jabari Parker's a fit there. Like I, I don't really know where teams will go, but I do wonder if this goes on long enough if like you said it becomes not about the teams that have the cap space to make a a big restricted free agency offer and get him on a, a on, you know give them an offer sheet but rather it is teams that are looking for signing trades and trying to find a way to get an asset when they're already capped out so i think it's it's going to get really interesting and i think it's going to take a while and i do think the big thing for me is you know when you look at a guy like julius randall sign a one plus one and a total of was it two years 18 million and he accepted the full mid-level from the pelicans that's that's your market shabari like that's you because I, I think most people would probably rank julius randall ahead of him uh and you know that's probably where it's got to be and julius randall just has like positional concerns he doesn't have positional concerns with injury concerns and uh i'm sure jimmy parker's camp might try to say no he's in aaron gordon's category which is four years 84 million (laughs) um i think most people would probably say that isn't true so uh, i i'm uh, i've had a bunch of people ask me you know uh would you do a three for 30? Would you do a three for 36? Would Would you do all those things? And I think the thing I keep coming back to is I don't know if I do any three-year deal with Jabari Parker. And if I do, it's a two plus one because I just think if, if you're a team signing Jabari Parker, you have to find, a way to create value in that contract for you. You have to find a way to protect yourself. And, and I think options are the way to do it. And if you're Jabari Parker's camp, no, you don't get any options. You get the, Jabari Parker, which is awesome because Jabari Parker is great. And uh, you, I just see this going back and forth for so long that uh, I think it's going to take a while and we're going to be having these conversations for the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Note on sign and trades: So sign and trades have to be for at least three seasons but only the first year needs to be fully guaranteed, so it's kind of an interesting dynamic. So you can't do technically like a two plus one per se. Um, can't do like a player option from from. I I don't think um like a you can't do like a one plus one for instance like like Randall got um as an unrestricted free agent. But you can do non guaranteed years, which could be very important, right? Like if a team if Jabari ultimately has to settle for like a three forty five, is that last year or more than year um non-guaranteed um that that's certainly possible that would be um acceptable under under the collective bargaining agreement so um yeah again it's i think that's just the challenge of being a restricted free agent i mean jabari parker has kind of other challenges in general just sort of questions about obviously the injuries and the way he fits and you know defense and things and those things um And and again, like probably his biggest problem is that normally teams, normally restricted free agents, can rely on like their their home team sort of wanting to keep them kind of happy, and it doesn't seem like the Bucks particularly care about Jabari's emotions and you know making him feel wanted by giving him like an inflated deal that the market wouldn't give him. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see just how many other guys fall into that category. I mean, the magic, you know, signing Gordon for four years, 82 to 84, depending on who you, who you talk to. Um, you know, that's like over 30 million under his max. Um, which again, like in theory, Aaron Gordon, wanted the max and, you know, a day into free agency, he was realizing that wasn't going to happen. And he, and he takes, you know, 21 million or 20 million per season, which, you know, again is, is on the high end. I think certainly for what he's shown, but, um, you know, he's also a guy that you can talk yourself into easily being a super switchable defender who can play like you know in sort of the playoffs, the, the type of games we've been seeing in the playoffs, which you know was obviously a, a big question with Jabari. So, um, and and again, like would would Aaron Gordon have gotten that from another team? Like I don't know. There was talk of maybe Indiana, maybe Sacramento having interest in him. Um, you know, but ultimately, you know, he got a deal from from Orlando and. Um, I, We'll see. I mean, again, obviously the Bucks. We we have no indication to think that they're going to be quite so charitable. Um, Any? um, uh, So let me. um, I just want to make a comment because someone asked me. um, So the the Demarcus Cousins straight happen or uh, signing happened the night, and you know, much of the um, much of NBA Twitter is uh, you know. just beside themselves and the usual, like, Oh, you know, I don't need to watch basketball anymore from people who, you know, love the NBA and are going to still watch as many games as they did last year. Um, people are, you know, talking about how bad it is for competitive balance. Um, we were talking before the, we we're talking before the, uh, the broadcast. I mean, first off, like our criticisms of the Bucks. um, and and going after Ursan with a big number and multiple years at midnight on the start of free agency, and that they should have waited and been more selective. Like Boogie Cousins is not the guy that I, that like I like he's not the counter example to why the Bucks shouldn't have done that. Like there are a lot of guys I would pick other than <laughs> other than Boogie. Like I think Boogie is a very kind of random situation. It sounded like. You know, it was pretty much Golden State and apparently Boston he also considered. Um, he was obviously going to, you know, one of these championship contending type teams. Uh, and again, I don't, you know, we can say the Bucks by virtue of poor management, the last couple of years were, <laughs> would not have been able to sign Boogie. But um I'm, I, you know, I will fault the front office and the Bucks for many things this summer, but not getting Boogie isn't really uh, at the top <laughs> of my list. Um, and someone asked me, and I said, so I said, uh, someone asked me about this, and I said, well, I think I think Laker fans can be mad about Boogie because that's the only place I could have seen him signing for so little. We we later found out Boston was also in the mix. Um, and I said, Bucks fans should focus their frustration on more gettable guys. Um, and so someone asked me, um, the real MGR22 asked, who is quote unquote gettable? And so I listed off just some names. Um, and again, like this is sort of the the, the point from the other night, you know, Ursan in isolation, like could Ursan give you, like you were saying, could Ursan give you $7 million in value next year? Very possible. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is he a guy that is going to outplay sort of his his contract, outplay his role and turn into like a diamond in the rough type guy? Like I think we're both very realistic and it's not going to happen. You know, he's 31 or 34 or whatever the hell he is. Um, he has seen his best days. You just sort of hope he can sustain what he is. Yeah. Um, and so I think guys that that we've seen sign contracts again. These guys are kind of all over the place positionally, but I think some of the interesting guys that we've seen sign contracts that I would flag as like you know guys that I would have taken you know guys that I probably would have taken their contract over Ursan's um, just that we've seen already. Not even including guys who are going to probably sign for less later. But um, I thought, you know again, if the Bucks desperately needed a guy whose name um, has already been in Milwaukee before, a um, bit of a technicality, but Glenn Robinson the <laughs> third. yeah, has never played for the Bucks, but obviously Big Dog son, um, he ends up signing for two years, eight million in Detroit. Um, you know, a guy who, again, like is he gonna be a starter, or quality starter or something like that probably not but you know again he has actually shot the ball well from three of the last couple of years and he's a you know a capable wing defender and again like that combination is obviously very interesting so i throw gr3 in there he's we've talked a lot about he signed for one year six and a half in new york um new Noel getting two years for what like three and a half million total from oklahoma city yeah um uh you know again like you know could you have gotten new Noel under the argument of uh I think you can compete with John Henson and Thon Maker better than you can compete with Stephen Adams for minutes. Um, I think you probably could have made a compelling case to New Orleans Noel to to take a chance in Milwaukee for very little money. Um, but again, like I don't think the Bucks are about taking chances on anybody at this point. I think they're just going to be super vanilla and sign you know locker room guys. And again, you're going to get Sova types for that. Um, I think some other guys that I thought were interesting: Omri Caspi, who was really disappointing in golden state last year, but has been a guy that has been like a really interesting kind of combo ish forward distance shooter type guy in the past. I think Caspi's is still pretty interesting. He signed for, I think one year and basically nothing. Um, Mike Scott signed with the Clippers. Um, again, another kind of stretch, stretch for, um, you know, I don't think he brings sort of the the scrappiness defensively, certainly of Urson. But I think as a fill it up type offensive guy, brings certainly more. A couple years younger than Ursan as well. Signed up for for definitely. I think he, what he. I don't know if he signed for like three million or four million or something like that with LA one year. Um, and Seth Curry signing for I think under three million a year as well. Curry's had a lot of injury problems, but you know, again, an interesting guy just because he is a shooter and, and floor stretcher, and you know, brings some of that off the dribble shooting that that you obviously have uh, have campaigned for. So <laughs> those are just guys that who you know, those are just guys who've signed the first two days of free agency right i mean we haven't even gotten to some guys who may sign for you know some some even potentially even bigger brand names that may sign for like the the taxpayer mid-level or less um you know and some other guys that i think are interesting um you know michael beasley we've talked a lot about beasley seems like he's destined to sign like a one-year you know less than five million dollar contract somewhere uh again you know i think we all know what what beasley can give and you know from both forward spots um Avery Bradley, I'm really interesting. I'm really interested to see what happens with. Um I feel like he'll probably re-sign with I, he seems like the kind of guy who's gonna like resign with the Clippers for like 10 million bucks or something like that. But I think that kind of belies the fact that nobody is offering him I, well, I don't know, maybe there are teams that are gonna offer him like a multi-year mid-level deal. But he's an interesting guy that I think given his age and sort of like positional profile, would have been a really interesting guy to maybe take a multi-year mid-level you know max mid-level contract on uh throw it out and just see if a guy like that would be interested right because you know everybody's everybody looked at him as like oh he's getting paid eight million dollars he had what like a four-year 32 million dollar contract and the theory was oh well yeah but if you trade for him he's gonna then want 15 to 20 million bucks you're gonna have to pay him a ton of money uh i don't (laughs) i don't don't know what Avery Bradley's gonna get um and he's certainly a really interesting guy when you think about the bucks um you know again like is he a guy that you could even play at the point at, at times in line of three you have Giannis and, and Chris and you know different ball handlers um and then kind of a couple other random guys um Luke Bamute who obviously um before hurting his shoulder in the playoffs did just an awesome job being like super switchable I mean we know what Luke can do he even started to knock down threes at a reasonable rate in Houston last year um and then you mentioned Mahtrez Harrell another restricted free agent who again I, I imagine will be back in uh In LA, but certainly a really interesting kind of energy small ball five type guy who, um, you know, I think certainly has, has acquitted himself quite well, both in Houston and then last year, uh, after the trade to, uh, to, to LA. So again, like if it seems like we're just kind of like, you know, shit talking the box without any like examples of guys that we think could have made sense. I mean, those are just some names that, that, you know, again, like, you know, you offered me the chance to swap Billy Sova's contract for any of those guys. Like, I'll happily take any of those guys and, you know, I guess we'll see what some of those unsigned guys, where they end up to, because certainly we may see some, some big bargains there as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, I was going to say another guy that got signed, Anthony Tolliver would have been fine with that deal. I think he's 5.8, if I remember correctly.
0: One year. Yeah. One year,
1: one year, 5.8 that would have been cool with me um I mean Kylo Quinn is still going to be out there and still going to be uh someone that always gets brought up in all of these situations um like you you mentioned Seth Curry I thought that was an interesting one and I mean I I just think as the days go by you're going to keep hearing names rattled off and you're going to keep thinking man that would have been kind of interesting and uh, I, I don't know if that's that's a spot you want to be in and uh like you said there was probably two or three times a day where i said man if you're the bucks you got to be kicking yourself over over signing that deal and uh, i i just i I don't see that coming to an end at any point point. Um, one person who i don't even know if i've heard a whisper about is wayne ellington and that's yeah. someone who i i was very interested in just because i think he shoots the ball extremely well he moves off the ball extremely well and you know maybe he ends up getting the full mle but well, the full MLE was something that the Bucks could offer, um, and they used almost all of it on Ersan Sovas. So uh, I just think, I mean, it's going to keep happening, and there, there's a reason why you know we kind of talked through all of this and why we were you know kind of fired up on on Sunday about you know just shooting that that one shot that you had. took it right away um and you might have been able to find a better one i I don't see that coming to an end here at at really any point so um we'll see we'll see what happens and um This is going to be, I I think there's going to be a lot of waiting game going on here. Uh, So there'll be plenty of days for us to talk about uh, Bucks' deals that could have been uh, as we go through the rest of free agency. Uh, A couple things I wanted to mention just from a news perspective. Uh, Thonmaker can now throw knees, um, which is just (laughs) crazy and incredible. He got punched in the back of the head as well. Um, I don't know if everyone saw it, but there was a basketball between the philippines national team and the australian national team in the fifa asia world cup i believe it was um and qualifier,
0: yeah world cup qualifiers yeah, yeah.
1: and 13 players were ejected ultimately the philippines had to play five on three and then two of their guys falled out on purpose so that the game would just come to an end and uh, i mean it was it was insanity and that Philippines team is known for doing some of those things. Like they, this isn't the first basketball they've been in. Um, so th- that's kind of something. And then, I mean, obviously you get the Australian team who uh, would be someone I would say you shouldn't F with. Um, and <laughs> they are more than willing to fight. And it, it kind of happened. And uh, I don't know they, I, there was some talk early in the day, like, you know, the, the Bucks and the NBA could discipline Thonmaker Maker for those actions, for you know, conduct unbecoming of whatever. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if that's something that'll happen. I, I wouldn't say he was an instigator. Uh, he was kind of coming to the aid of teammates. Um, he did so through flying knees, which uh, might be looked at <laughs> as as, uh, as aggressive actions. Um, so so maybe there is a, a one or two game suspension. But I, I don't think that'll really end up happening with thon maybe i'm wrong
0: yeah i mean the interesting thing is i mean you know it, it's been cool to see thon playing with with australia he had a, a, a well i mean again i didn't watch the game he had 13 points 12 rebounds in his first game for australia Catching so
1: that's, like it's his he, job frank yeah
0: it's it's cool playing with della vadova on that team as well um delhi was on the bench when this brawl happened so i think he had to stay on the bench and um unfortunately he did not throw down it would have been i mean delhi would have been fascinating to see throw down obviously but um yeah thon's fighting style um I recommend if you haven't seen it, go to um, our friend uh, Justin Johnson uh, at Justin Superbuck. He's got a, uh, he did a fun little video um, uh, on it. And I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone with, because uh, it's like he's, Thon was basically like mostly trying to kick people, but he also was like, very ineffective at it. And it didn't look like he'd ever tried to see.
1: I disagree. I thought his first kick was extremely effective. His second one.
0: Well, it's, he just kind of landed on the guy, but the second one was just like, look pathetic. I mean, that was like why people make fun of like NBA (laughs) fights. Um, like it looked like he was like steeple chasing
1: to be fair that dude is like five foot five
0: yeah well yeah I, I don't know it was very uh it was a bizarre I mean it was a crazy brawl like I mean you know guys getting buried on the floor that dude like jumped in the in. air
1: to punch Thon in the back of the head too yeah. like, it was kind of funny and again I shouldn't say a fight is funny but it was because it's this fine. tiny little dude jumps in the air to punch Thon in the back of the head and then like Thon like reaches around looks around and turns around and sees it's this little tiny dude and he's like okay well i'm gonna get you and then the little dude ran away yeah. and then he's trying to catch him with a knee and it was like i mean i know the knee would have been at a head level for this tiny guy but uh, i can't imagine uh who taught him that how did he learn that
0: I, I don't know i i don't know where where you learn to fight like the way thon apparently fights but i guess maybe if you are seven foot one tall like you you have to, it's it's hard to like maybe even uh punch people because they're so low so maybe like kicking is just a more (laughs) more effective way to do this certainly Um, possible but yeah that was that was very strange Uh, what about Giannis and the cover thing yeah I was gonna say Giannis 2k 2K
1: cover uh first international player to ever uh grace the cover of I think any NBA video game um certainly of NBA 2k I don't nba live exists but i don't really pay attention to it um so that was the first there for nba 2k um obviously kind of crazy to see a milwaukee bucks player uh grace that cover it had been rumored for a while some photos had leaked the other week and now that's official i mean i just think uh another example of Giannis being you know insanely marketable he's he's the guy right now um i mean pretty much around the league he's he's the guy so uh there'll be some more of that this year when his first original shoe comes out uh and i mean it's just gonna it's just gonna keep happening because that dude does numbers no matter what whether it's social media uh whether it's video games whether it's advert advertisements whatever it is uh he's he's pretty much everywhere now
0: yeah and uh you know i think just also his personality um I I think maybe it took a little while just because he's not I mean he's not American and he speaks with an accent so I think maybe there's always like sort of this initial hesitation with like marketing people to figure out like how you like how you market somebody um but Giannis's personality is just like incredible right I mean like he, he really um he really has so much fun with the, you know with with social media and like his fans and all that stuff, um, you know he's he's popped up a bunch of times. We don't need to recap all of, like the fun random things he's done on social media this summer, but um, you know he's definitely a guy who you know I think just the the hashtag brand stuff comes very naturally to him, and um, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to see more and more of him on TV and in ads. And you know uh, I mean last year there was only one guy who finished ahead of him in the East um, All Star voting, and that guy is no longer in the
1: East, so. Captain Giannis, question mark? Ooh, I don't think that's out of the question. I do not think that is out of the question. I mean, and it's
0: like almost... It
1: almost has to be... It almost game, has to happen, right? Right. Like, I don't know who else would be it. So I, I would agree there. And I was going to say, I, I think with him and all of like the hashtag brand stuff, I just think he's an incredible brand builder because he's authentic. Like, yeah. uh, I, The one of the things we didn't get to talk about was when he did a Instagram live and someone asked him if Mo Bamba's better than him, and he's like, "Hell no." Uh, and then like he had to apologize for it, but like. When you're building in a totally a, endearing way, yeah. but it was totally endearing. It was totally authentic, and that dude just like doesn't. At, at this point, he doesn't have a filter on you know how much he should let people in to his life. Like you think of Aaron Rodgers, uh, another great brand uh kind of guy in Wisconsin, and he's very calculated. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's only going to let people into such uh, such a level, and Giannis is just like, whatever. Like this is me and my girlfriend hanging out. Like come hang out with us and ask me questions, and I'll talk about it and make fun of other players. Like, okay, sure. So I think as long as he's that authentic and people feel like they're getting to know the real Giannis, uh, he's going to keep. Being an, an incredible brand builder and something that every advertiser is going to try to catch. Uh, other news for the day, Summer League roster for the Bucks is officially out. Um, I don't know if there's a ton of excitement on that list. Uh, 34-year-old Perry Ellis is somehow still uh, working with the Bucks. Um I was going to say the other one, DJ Wilson will be there. Uh, not that that's really a surprise after his rookie season, but he'll be there. Dante DiVincenzo will be there. Sterling Brown will be there. And uh, I was going to say, the other one that I think a lot of people are excited about, and this is someone that I mentioned on Twitter, uh, during the, uh, let's see, 2015 draft at this point, uh, I remember recording a Bruhu podcast and hyping up this 19-year-old kid from UNLV who I thought, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. He's got long arms, he's got this wingspan, he's athletic, Not Rashad Vaughn. Um, it was Christian Wood, the center from UNLV, um, who is someone I, I was really interested in, in that draft. He's kind of bounced around. He's had some yeah. chances, uh, but now he'll be on the Bucs summer league roster. And I'm curious to see how he fits, if he plays well, um, because, you know, maybe he's an upsidey guy that you could use one of your two ways on.
0: Yeah, he was a very productive player at UNLV. Um, and Brandon McCoy, who just left UNLV after a year, former high school All-American type guy. Guy. He was also a super productive guy, at UNLV, but was not really on anybody's radar. And if I was just looking at some of the some of the people we we trust, um, you know, on Twitter for draft stuff, like we're just totally like shit-talking Brandon McCoy even though he didn't even get drafted and I was just like man what is with this guy he averaged like 17 and 12 as a freshman at UNLV and people are just like screw this guy he shouldn't even be on his like a get a two-way or something um so anyway I'm curious he he seems more like more of a kind of I don't know he he has some like touch around the basket but like watching him um he's not like super mobile or springy um he's and he's not like a you know like a land monster or something but uh but i'm curious right because like anybody who's really productive at the college level especially as like a freshman um like you know uh, like certainly wood previously was or or mccoy i mean it's always always want to sort of get a feel for what these guys are like and maybe they are worth kind of a two-way flyer or something like that um but i think the one thing we've seen over and over again is that unlv just like like is just they don't know how to if you're from unlv like just steer clear of these guys because like Rashad Vaughn obviously we we saw firsthand I mean Patrick McCall looked like a pretty promising prospect his first year in the NBA um his second I mean this past year he was terrible and then he had that nasty injury and I don't know people were like acting like oh is Patrick McCall gonna come back in the playoffs it's like Patrick McCall was garbage this year (laughs) like I don't think I don't I don't think the Warriors want to play him even if they had had him um and uh oh and what was the guy? Steven Zimmerman. Remember Steven Zimmerman? Mm-hmm. He was a high school all American, was a second round pick of the Magic. He was on the Buck Somebody roster last year. And um, you know, another guy who's just like I don't know, UNLV is just like a graveyard. Like if you I well, I don't wanna say that UNLV makes you bad, but like UNLV is maybe where like like a certain type of player like, <laughs> fraudulent like prep stars can go and yeah. put up numbers and then they come to the nba and they haven't learned anything and they just are bad so i, I don't know whatever we'll see we've got at least a couple of uh you know be big guys that that uh, we'll, we will put that to the test but yeah yeah wood's kind of interesting but i think you know again sort of a lot of it's a uh, makeup questions with him but he has bounced around had some chances to uh to make some teams been a, a pretty good g-league player so we'll see he'll be our token guy that hopefully like plays well and then we'll all be like, could he be the guy that gets, the, the, you know? <laughs> but again with, with two way contracts, like all of a yeah. sudden that kind of thing is in play. And, um worth noting the bucks uh even though they're two-way contracts you, the bucks did i believe make qualifying offers to both marshall plumley and uh, xavier munford uh yep. they're two way they're two two-way guys so um you know certainly very possible that both of those guys uh you know do come come back next year as two ways or you know who right who knows right i mean if they obviously had chances to to uh to get you know more money elsewhere you know who knows maybe right like you I mean it's not out of the question that a guy like Munford may even decide to go to Europe if he had a big offer, but I don't really know what his options are going to be. But um wait, is, is Plumley on the Summer League roster? Because I think Munford's doing like Team USA, like part of the Jeff Fang gun. Plumley is not, no. Okay. So that's oh Plumley maybe was I know Plumley has been on that team as well. I don't know if he's he's not in right now. Yeah. But yeah, this is the USA select. Um, roster that Jeff Van Gundy has coached as part of some of the um, international qualifying stuff for Team USA. It's basically a team of G League guys, so um, maybe not shocking to those guys who play. But who knows? Maybe Thon Maker. I, I'm, I was kind of happy when Thon wasn't announced on the Summer League team that he was doing the the Australia stuff, just because I, I just didn't know if I had it the the intestinal fortitude to like watch Thon be like ineffective <laughs> in Vegas again <laughs> for the third straight year. Um, yeah, I guess I guess he had some good moments in his first year, but last year was generally pretty. Pretty depressing so i'll yeah just thought just just don't worry about it just you know let's let's just see him in october and hopefully someone will trick him into thinking it's april and that he should be good again
1: or someone punches him in the back of the head every game and oh. that's what gets him going too that could work i don't know just throwing ideas out there um Alright, so it looks like we've gone about an hour, so I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do, if we're going to post this all as one podcast, or split this up into two, Um, but either way we will get that figured out, and we'll probably ask you about that going forward because uh, we are in a spot of the summer where, you know, there's not going to be a ton of action, and we're going to be talking about many of the same things, so maybe we'll cut down a day or two um, each week, or if you want it every day, you know, maybe we'll split these up into some shorter podcasts, and we can figure all of that out but we'll probably ask I, you go
0: ahead yeah i say we do this all in one day just because like july 4th is on wednesday uh and and i feel like by wednesday night or thursday or whenever the hell we next record i feel like enough stuff will have i feel like enough it's it's early july right enough stuff will probably have happened i think right maybe i don't know maybe so.
1: we'll see all right so I, this my, is all gonna be all one my, podcast. All my
0: all my all my takes will be stale so just, <laughs> you gotta throw them up <laughs>
1: Okay, sounds good. All of these thoughts will go up tonight. We'll talk to you some other time. Uh, We'll figure out exactly when that time is because uh, you'll be getting this here on July 3rd. Uh, Obviously, I don't know if we're going to give you one for the 4th. Maybe we will. We'll figure it out, though. So we will talk to you later. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. See you guys when we see you.